to 14, if you are not there already. Romans 13. The verse for the year this year is Romans 12.1. It says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Our theme for the year, built off of that verse in the following chapters, is one another. We're focusing on what, what one another means. What does it look like? To get along as a body, as believers in this world. As we've been working our way through this series, we started there in verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. As we looked at that, we saw that that is kind of the foundation of everything that follows. What it means one another, all comes out of first submitting ourselves, presenting our bodies, a living sacrifice, holding acceptable to God. We then went on to see uh, in verses 3 through 8, a right view of self. So before I can love others rightly, I must see God rightly. I must submit to him. Before I can love others appropriately, I must see myself rightly in terms of who God is in the gospel and what he says about me. Then we saw the charge to love one another. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. As we see there in verses 9 and 10. To outdo one another and showing honor. We came to chapter 13, the first seven verses. And we saw what it means to submit to the government, to being citizens first and foremost of heaven, and yet being good citizens here on earth. And then as we come now to Romans 13, verses 8 to 14, we continue our series on one another, and we see a call to grow in Christ-likeness by purposefully loving others. And this evening we'll see the command to love in verses 8 to 10, and then the capability to love in verses 11 to 14. Love one another. Let's open with a word of prayer before we jump in. Heavenly Father, this evening we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken, that you have given us your word, that you have kept your word. Heavenly Father, I pray now as we look at this passage that you would work in each and every one of our lives, that we would be challenged to love one another, to grow in Christ's likeness, to flee from the world, that you would be honored in our lives, that we would live as citizens of heaven, in Christ. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
First thing we see is the command to love in verses 8 to 10. And you kind of have to give it, get a running start. We kind of have to start in verse uh, 7 as you come here. It says, Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Pay what is owed. And then as you come to verse 8, it says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. Owe no one anything. As you come to that, at first it's kind of a startling statement. Owe no one anything. We know that it is not a prohibition on ever giving or taking out loans. We know that because both the law in Leviticus 25, 35-36, and Jesus himself in Matthew 5.42 and Luke 6.35 both allow borrowing and lending. And so Paul is here not, not saying you can never borrow, you can never lend. The idea is don't take on debt that you cannot pay back. Pay what is due when it is due. And you see that even in what he goes on to say, oh, no one anything except to love one another. To love. This is the one debt that cannot be repaid. View yourself as always owing love. You are always in debt to others with love. That's the one thing that can never be paid back. And the idea is, is this. Do not keep a ledger of love. If you're like me, you're probably guilty of this. As needs arise, as opportunities come up to serve one another, or that's helping this person move or mowing this lawn as they're sick, and over time, you do a couple things, and you have a couple needs, and, and as I do more for this person, and they never seem to come when I need them, you start to kind of keep a ledger of love, do you not? You know, I helped him move. I mowed his grass when he was out of town. I gave him a little money when they were hurting. I've loved him in all these ways. And, and look... He never shows up when I need him. Where was he when I moved? Where was he when I was sick and needed my lawn mowed? And so next time he comes to me, I'm not going to help him because he never shows up for me. He doesn't return my love. That's not the idea that we see here. In fact, Paul is saying the exact opposite. Do not keep a ledger of love. Don't keep track of that. In fact, that's not love. If I only love because of what I can get in return, or because of what someone has done for me, that's not the essence of Christian love. That's not the essence of what we are called to in Christ. So what Paul is saying here is live with a mindset where I always owe others love. Every time. Regardless 
of what, is, of, of what they don't do for me or what they do do for me. That doesn't matter. I owe you love. And it cannot be paid back. And so every opportunity, I will do what I can. I will love you. And it never runs dry. Do not keep a ledger of love. In fact, notice even that the imperative, Paul's imperative here to love, is focused on believers, one another. That's the, the audience to whom he is writing here in Rome. And yet it's not limited to believers. In fact, we just saw back in Romans 12, 14, Paul says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 5, 44. Paul repeats it in Galatians 6.10. This love is not just among believers. It's even in the world. Love everybody. Brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are outside of Christ. Believers and non-believers. Owe love to Everybody. That's a challenge. That's difficult, is it not? To have that mindset, to constantly think of myself as owing love. But that's what we're called to here. A command, it's an imperative. Owe no one anything except love. That is the one debt that you cannot pay back. Have that mindset. In fact, Paul goes on to show the importance of this. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He who loves has fulfilled the law. Now that's an interesting statement. Paul's made it very clear in Romans that we are not under the law. That those who are in Christ are free from the law. So, so why... Would fulfilling the law be a motivation for me to love? I think we have to understand what Paul is saying here. He is not putting the Christian under the burden of the law. Those who are in Christ are free from the burden and condemnation of the law. If Paul were saying otherwise here, it would negate everything, it would go against everything he said in Romans to this point. That's not what he's saying. He's not adding to salvation putting the burden of the law on the Christian. Rather, as you look at Romans, not only does Paul say that we are not under the law, but he goes on and he still says that the law is good. He says that in Romans 7, verses 7 to 12. Again, in 1 Timothy 1, 8. So I am not under the law, but the law is good. How? How can the law be a good thing if Christ died to free me from it? From the condemnation that it brings. Because the law cannot save. Paul makes that abundantly clear, but it does communicate the character of God. The law communicates the character of God. Who God is. And in showing us that, it shows us how far short we fall. It opens our eyes to the greatness of God and the, the, the terribleness and guilt of our sin. 
So what Paul is saying here is that as Christians, we strive after the character of God as portrayed in the law without being under the burden or the condemnation of the law. We strive after the character of God as portrayed in the law without being under the burden or condemnation of the law. That's good news for us. He goes on in verse 9, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. These are all commands that deal with interpersonal relationships. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this one saying, namely, in Leviticus 19.18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. As Christians, we strive after the character of God as portrayed in the law without being under the burden or condemnation of the law. As we love others, we are brought more in line with the character of God. Or as we would say, we grow in Christ-likeness. This love is in line with what Christ expects from his disciples. As we see in John uh, 13, 34 to 35, a passage we were in not that long ago. Where he tells his disciples this, by, by this they will know that you are my disciples. How? Because of the great works that you do? Because of the people that you will heal? The dead that you will raise? The tongues that you will speak in? No. Because you will love one another. Because you will love one another. So in these first two verses, verses 8 to 10, first three verses, we see the command to love. Owe no one anything except to love one another. Why? Because love is the fulfillment of the law. Love lines up with the character of God. And as we pursue Christ-likeness, that is what we are pursuing. Secondly, though, the capability to love, verses 11 to 14. The capability to love. 13 verses 11 to 14. Because if you're like me, as we were looking at that, maybe you're thinking, that sounds exhausting. To owe love to everybody? I mean, it's hard enough to love you guys much less everyone out there. And yet we're called to love one another, to do the hard work of love, to owe love to one another. How can we possibly do this? That's what we see here in verses 11 to 14. In fact, he starts out and do this, this very thing that I've just said, love one another in this way. First, Knowing that the time, or knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. The first thing he says is, do this knowing that we're running out of time. Knowing that you are living in the last days, that the return of Christ is imminent, and that the time to love is not later, it is now. Some of us, work better under a deadline, specifically a deadline that's getting really, really close. 
Maybe you're one of those people who kind of put things off and you rationalize it in your mind. I work better under pressure. Well, if that's you, then get to work loving one another. Even if that's not you, that's what Paul is saying. Time is running short. The time to do this is not later. This is not something that you have to grow or mature into. It's something that you get to work right now. Regardless of age, regardless of maturity, regardless of whatever other excuse you can come up to, love one another now. The time is at hand. Christ is coming back. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He's not speaking there of justification. We are justified in Christ. He's speaking there of glorification. When our faith becomes sight, when we stand before our Savior, that is nearer now than when we first believed. Every day that we live, it's nearer still. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And yet, till then, let us love one another in this radical way. He goes on, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Again, if you're one of those people who always puts things off, whether a project or a paper, there's that time when it's winding down, it's getting to an hour to class or to when that thing is due, and you're just cranking it out. It's time to get to work. The night is gone. The day is at hand. That could be a reference there to the Old Testament day of the Lord. In fact, I think in the context, there's likely at least hinted at there the whole idea that Christ is coming back. The time is at hand. It is imminent. What are you waiting for? Therefore, knowing that our time is short, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Work our way through John. That's a metaphor we're familiar with. Light versus darkness. Good versus evil. The things of the Lord versus the things of the world. Cast off the works of darkness, the things of the world, evilness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Again, Jesus in John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Walk in the light. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Those are the works of darkness. But, but, this is what you should do. This is how to do. This is how to love one another in this way. How to have this mindset, but put off the things of the world, put off the works of darkness, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here uses the picture of putting on and taking off. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Live in the reality of who you are in Christ. 
Or a more familiar phrase that we are familiar with working through John, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Live in the reality of who you are in Christ. It's not just imitating Christ's character, but walking in close fellowship with him. Day in and day out. In fact, notice through this whole section, verses 11 and 12 and 13 and 14, there is purpose that is implied. This is not something you just kind of sit back and let God do. God will do it, but there is purpose on our part. And do this, verse 11 says, knowing that the time cast off, put on, walk properly, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So how can we love one another in this way? In Christ. In Christ. In Christ, we have all that we need to love one another. To serve one another. What we see in this passage is a call to purposefully love others as you purposefully pursue Christ and purposefully cast off the works of darkness. There's purpose here. Live purposefully in Christ. So be aware. Be aware of your fleshly desires. Be aware of your identity in Christ. Be aware of your call to love others. Be aware of others' needs. Be aware of the time. Be aware and act accordingly. Love one another. Have this mindset of radical love. Of always owing others love. And your strength to do this is in putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, living in the reality of who you are in Christ. So a way of application. Number one, very practically love others. Love others. Maybe even this evening, think of, try to think of just one thing that you can do in the next month Surely you can find one thing in the next month to serve someone else. Not expecting anything in return. But having this mindset of, I owe love. Not keeping a ledger of love. Number two, pursue Christ. Be purposeful in putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be purposeful and abiding in Christ. Saturate yourself in the word of God. Set aside time to pray. Maybe start a Bible study with someone else in the church. Someone who you look up to. Regardless of how old you are. Hey, let's get together. Let's read the Bible and pray together. Someone to push me to abide in Christ. So that I can love rightly. And then finally, flee the flesh. 
Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Flee the flesh. Run headlong in the opposite direction. Love others. Pursue Christ. And flee the flesh. Flee the flesh. And may God be honored as we love each other, as we have this mindset, this mindset that is ours in Christ Jesus, to love one another and to serve one another. We're going to transition here to our communion service, singing the song in just a second, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Jesus.